0: Proverbs chapter 3, turn there with me, and we're going to try to talk this morning for a few minutes about what happens to the person who trusts, respects, and honors God with their all. How would you like to be able to know with confidence that the direction you're going is the right way? that your body would hold up in strength and health for you to accomplish it and that you would never lack the money or the resources that you needed to carry it out? How would you like to know that 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 is possible and that there's actually a passage of scripture that discusses that and just so you know, Pastor Kyle and I did not collaborate on this message this morning. It's pretty amazing uh, that the way that the Lord leads us many times, some of the things he's talked about, we'll kind of hit on that in a little bit. I just want you to know that, that it's not a tag team effort. We had no idea. But I think that it's important if we if we could understand this passage and we could actually put it into place, and I'm going to tell you, it's, it, it's difficult at times because I examined myself in light of this word this morning in my office, and I said, Lord, am I doing these three things? And I had to be real honest and say, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, I'm doing them all three. Sometimes, maybe only one or two at a time. There may have been times where I might not have been doing any of them. But if we could learn uh, from the Scripture today, from, from the Word of God, if we could learn how to, how to trust God, how to respect God, how to honor God, and then the blessings that would come from that, I think it would literally change our lives. And I, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but if you don't, you need to. Our spiritual life with our Father is a life of covenant. God has covenanted with man. Didn't have to. I love 1 uh, John, we were talking about that Wednesday night, that talks about how that God just decided to accept us. He didn't have to do that. I mean, if you think about it, here we are. We're just we're, there's seven and a half billion of us on this planet, and we're just a little minute speck that God doesn't need. But yet God loves and blesses and honors and allows to walk with him and be a part of building his kingdom and cares about everything we care about and hears every prayer replay. It, it when you think about it, it's it's literally amazing that God would want to be invested in our lives. And I've thought a lot about that, and it wasn't even in his notes. And I thought, you know, if we're, if we're so insignificant, why would it be that God would want to, to be concerned with us? And then I realized that our, that our significance actually comes from Christ, but we're not so insignificant when you, when you look at it this way, that the spirit, the soul that is in you, is huge. The body is just this little clay confine, this little box, that you were put in, that you weren't in before, but God put you in for a season, and someday you're going to be released from it again, and you're not going to have the confines of this body again, but you're going to be that soul that is free, that was with God from the beginning, will be with God throughout eternity, and that that is something that God relates to. He relates to that soul, to that spirit, and he relates to the body based on the blood of Jesus that covers it because that's what the whole covenant is conditioned upon. We don't, we, we don't get to bargain with God. A lot of people are trying. A lot of people are trying to earn merit with God, trying to earn their way to heaven, trying to do enough good deeds to somehow get in the door. That's how they're looking at it. But they could never do enough good deeds. The Word tells us that our very best is is at most nothing. I mean, basically, that's what it's saying. Our very best is nothing. You could never do enough. So this covenant with God that we have is not us covenanting with Him. It's Him with us. It's it's Him saying these words, and we live by them as as believers. And the, the, the farther we walk with the Lord, the more mature we get, the more we understand it. But we live in the if and then. If you think about it, all the way back to the Old Testament, I'm not talking about our salvation being based on works. I know they're based on faith. I know that, that faith without works is dead, though. But if you look all the way back, it's always been an if and then covenant. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves to seek my face, then I will hear. I mean, show me a place where that God didn't require something of us. Because people would love it, especially in this generation, this generation of fairness. Of, uh, 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 everybody would love it if it was just a situation where we said, you know what, God has decided to save you, nothing you could do about it, and you don't have to do anything for it. You're just He, he decided to save you and you're going to heaven. But there's something that has to happen, even though we can't save ourselves. There's a choice we have to make. There's a price we have to pay. So the Lord says, I I covenant with you. If you will do certain things, then I will do certain things. We can't bargain with him. We can't save ourselves no matter what we do. But the if and then for the basic is this. We either come to God on his terms and spend eternity with him and live forever, or we reject his provision and spend this life and eternity without him. And everybody has a choice to make. And everybody has to make the choice. And it's a chosen choice of a total life of commitment. A commitment to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is not a flippant decision a simple signing of a, a signing of a card or shaking somebody's hand or, or getting baptized or taking communion or even praying a little prayer, I'm going to tell you something, that's not going to get it. This, this, this salvation that we talk about, this conversion experience, comes from an individual who has counted the cost, Jesus said, and have decided to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. They have decided to repent of their sins, turn from their wicked ways, and do their best to follow Christ. He says, if you'll do that, oh, I'm reminded of another passage. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's always if and then. There's not much you could do that matters, but God does care about the part that you try. I'm not, trying to put, uh, I'm not trying to put condemnation or add anything to you or put any weight on you. But I am trying to make you understand that, that if it were easy, everybody would be in heaven. And I wish it were easy because I want everybody to be in heaven. But the way you get there is by making a decision... Asking Jesus into your heart, meaning it, and making a decision to turn from your wicked ways and then to pursue him for the rest of your days. This passage is another one of those if and then scriptures. And today I'm going to walk us through just very quickly, hopefully. Uh, I want you to examine your life in light of these if and then situations. Now this is a passage of scripture that uh, uh, verse 3, 5 and 6, for sure, we quote it all the time. But uh, I want to get it more in its context. I think we quote 5 and 6, a great, I love those path, that passage of Scripture. But let's put a little bit more context with it so we can better understand this if and then portion of Scripture. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord. Here's the if. You could add it. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him. He will, there's the then, direct your paths. You could add if right here on verse 7. If you do not consider yourself wise, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil, then your bodies will be healed and your bones will have nourishment. Verse 9. If you honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first and the best part of all your income, then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. That's God's word translation. How can the if and then be more clear than what we're reading right here? I hope that you've got your pen and your paper. You're ready to take some notes. I want then, which is the title of this message, I choose then. I want then to kick in because I like the thens. Here's the cool thing about the covenant of God. God covenants with us and he asks very little for which he gives a great deal. Does that make sense? He he doesn't ask nearly as much as he gives. I mean, the if on our part is so little and then the rest of it is the then. The then are the blessings, the promises, the provisions, the promotions, the protection that God gives to those who have chosen the if. I want the then. How many of you want the then? I want the thens in my life. And so that's why we title this then, because I want you to get then in your mind, and I want you to think about then this week. So let's walk through these three if and then situations Verse 5 and 6 tells us, first of all, we must trust with all our heart. Now, just a little bit more depth to that. You say, well, I know what that means, and I know you know what it means, but let me, let me give you a little bit more here. Trust there means not just trust, but it means rely, hope, and put your full confidence in God with all of your heart, emotions, feelings, It's coming from the most central place of your being. He's saying he wants you to put your full confidence in him from the most center place of your life. And if we put all of our confidence in him, it's in him, it's in his words, in his spirit, then we're promised that our way or our path will be made clear for us. This is where we talk about he makes a way for us through any obstacle. Now, if you look back to where it says path makes your path smooth, here's what smooth paths are. Clear, right, and sometimes it means even pleasant. But how many of you know that not every path that we're on as believers is pleasant? Not every one is even clear. And sometimes... If we get off track, they're not even right. But what the scripture's saying to us here is that if we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean to any of our understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge him and put him first, from the very innermost being, if we would do that, then hear this, he would make our paths clearer. There's a lot of people wandering around on this planet who are lost and confused and in fear, and in doubt. And the reason is because life is hard for them just like it is for you. There's no difference between believers and unbelievers when it comes to the magnitude of, of life and its tragedies and its hardships. Life is hard for everybody, but the difference is the people that walk with Jesus, they have a clearer path to walk on. They have a better direction to follow. They have a what we call the will of God functioning in their life. They are seeking the will of God, and He is making that direction more clear to them as they continue consistently to keep leaning upon Him, trusting upon Him. John Patton was a missionary years ago. It di- he had a lot of difficulty in, in his uh, in, in his missions. His uh, he was a young man. His wife passed away. Then just a little while later, his little five-week-old baby passed away. And uh, this, was, this was a long time ago, but uh, he was living among hostile people uh, on an island where they were, they were actually cannibals. And he was living under this kind of duress and this kind of stress, dealing with this kind of tragedy, um, ignoring their threats, staying there in spite of, of of their hostility toward him one day he was working on translating john's gospel and he was trying to figure out how to how to translate the expression believe in or trust in christ as it occurs in john chapter 1 verse 12 He's saying he's thinking to himself, "How can I translate this so that they'll understand it?" Because these people, again, they were cannibals; they didn't trust anybody. These islanders, and there was no, there was not even an actual word for trust in their language. So he's trying to figure out how do I translate this for them. And one day he was in his office, and and the fellow that was a native that worked there with him came into the room where he was, and uh, John was sitting in a chair and he said to the man, what am I doing? And the man said, you're sitting at your desk. And so at that point, John, he put, uh, he raised both his feet up off the floor and he leaned back in the chair against the wall and he said, what am I doing now? And the man said, uh, he used a verb which meant, I don't know the word, but he used a verb which meant, this is really good, To lean your whole weight upon. The man said, you are leaning your whole weight upon. And John said, that was the word I'm looking for in order to translate what it means to fully trust in Christ. I have put my full weight upon the chair. Now you think about that. We do it all the time. You did it a minute ago. You trusted that chair would hold you when you sat down. Some of you sit in the very same chair here every week in the same chairs at home, which makes it less faith for you because they've always held you up to this point. The day that it fails, you're going to be really disappointed. But up to this point, I mean, when you sit, and I like these chairs, when you sit down in these chairs, I have a tendency in these chairs, I get real comfortable, man, I start sliding down. I'm laying in there. I look like I'm about this tall. My head's barely sticking up over the seat. I relax in those chairs. I relax in other chairs. I've got one at my house that I relax in. Sometimes I throw my leg up over the arm. I didn't lay in that thing. I've never even considered the fact that it might not hold me up. This is what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, kick back, and he will then make your path clearer. How about that? The if and then, if you will kick back in the chair, he will then tell you when you get up where to go. Pastor, I'm needing direction. I'm needing guidance. I need God to speak to me. I need an answer to a prayer. I need need to know what's God's will for my life. Kick back in the chair. Don't talk to me anymore until you kick back in the chair. Don't waste the counselor's time. Don't waste the pastor's time. Don't waste your spouse's time until you kick back in the chair. And once you've done that for a little while, the path will become clearer. Isn't that good? And then he goes on and he says that we must then reverence with all of our mind. Look at the next, the next two verses there. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, and then your body will be healed and your bones will have nourishment. I like the way the contemporary English puts this. Don't ever think that you are wise enough, but respect the Lord and stay away from evil. Now that just makes it pretty simple right there. The word here means that, um, I've heard people say that our relationship with God, anytime we see the word fear, simply means respect, and it does mean respect and reverence. But there were a lot of, years ago, there was a lot of emphasis put on trying to remove that, you know, that respect so much, it was just daddy God. Daddy God wants to give you this. And I've always struggled with ever trying to be this insignificant kernel of rice that demands God do something. Because the way I understand the translation here is it is reverence and respect almost to the point of fear. So it's that same kind of respect... If you ever had a good daddy, it's that kind of respect. That's the only way I know to put it. If you didn't, I'm sorry for you. But if you ever had a good daddy, then you understand what this means. It was, Dad's coming home and he loves me, but I better have done right today. Because if I didn't, before he holds me and hugs me, he's going to whip me. And Sometimes I would, you know, Mom would say, wait till your dad gets home. And, and I would dread it because I would hear that. You know, I'd hear it. 275 pounds coming down the hall. And I loved him, but I respected him, and I revered him to the point of fear when I was in trouble. When I had a whipping coming, I knew it. But I was fearful in those moments. We're talking about a level of respect for our God in heaven, the creator of the universe, who, yes, he loves us, and, yes, he makes us his own children, but just because you're his children doesn't mean he's going to treat you differently than a good mama or daddy would treat their child here if they needed a good whipping. Somebody say amen. So don't ever think, the scripture says, that you're wise enough... That you don't have to respect God with your entire mind. This is talking about your, the, all of your thinking and all of your process of thought in faith. Now look at it, he says, if you would respect God and reverence him with the entire process of thought. And this is where I mess up sometimes. I don't know about y'all. This is where I get in trouble sometimes. Sometimes I catch myself thinking about something. I'm like, well, that doesn't bring glory to the Lord. You know, have you ever done that? Somebody runs you off the road and you, in the next five minutes, think about how you're gonna pull them out of the car and beat them. And then finally it comes to you and you're like, well, that's probably not gonna bring glory to Jesus. You know, that's probably not, that's probably not gonna help me much or anybody else, right? So I said when I started, sometimes I do these things and sometimes I don't, but I'm trying. If you would respect God, With your mind, how you think, this is going to make sense to you in a minute, then the scripture, this is going to seem weird, but I'm going to show you how it works. If you would respect him with your mind and your process of thought, then he. the scripture says in the next verse, he would make your body healthier and strong. Well, now what does that have to do with a healthy body? Healthy respect produces a healthy body. In that, God says, if you would think with the mind of Christ, if you would keep your mind in the Word of God, if you would think on things that are honest and just and pure and right, then naturally your body would be healthier because you wouldn't do things that would destroy your body if you were thinking right. How about that? The if and then. Disciples of Christ live healthier lives because they make healthier choices. A.W. Towser said, the greatness of God rouses fear within us, but his goodness encourages us not to be afraid of him. There you go. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. Healthy respect will produce healthy bodies. And then lastly, look at this. Honor the Lord. With your wealth and the first and the best part of your income, and then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. Now, most of you don't have vats. And I have never been to any of y'all's house and seen you pressing grapes with your feet in the vat. And I was always thankful that that's, we didn't have grape juice at your house as a result of that. But this is what these people understood in their culture the fact that their, their, their agriculture would be healthy, the fact that the, the grape vineyards would be plentiful was a big deal there. Grapes, olives, is a big deal. So here's what it means. And you can study this if you think I'm just making this up. Here's what it means. If you acknowledge that all your stuff is his, and then you perpetually bring him the first or best of what you earn on top of that, you are honoring him. That's what it says. How do I honor God in this passage? The way you honor God is, first of all, to to recognize and acknowledge that everything that I have is already his. I tell you this all the time. You think I'm just making this stuff up. I acknowledge that everything is already his, and then it's not just enough to acknowledge that. It's not just enough for me to say, man, I'm thankful everything I have the Lord gave me. It's not enough. To truly honor him, it's a two-part. I acknowledge that, and then I perpetually bring him the first fruits of all increase or income above that. And that's where we lose some folks. I already lost some. Some of them's looking down now. Some of them's already looking at your phone. What time is it? What time do we got to get out of here? He's talking money again. He's talking tithes. He's talking offerings. Hmm, I don't want to hear this part. Adam Clark said, Honor the Lord with all of your substance. He said, whatever God sends us in the way of secular prosperity, there is a portion of it always for the poor and for God's cause. When that portion is thus disposed of, the rest is sanctified. When it is withheld, God's curse is upon the whole. Give to the poor and God will give to you. So if we honor God by acknowledging that everything is his and then we're constantly giving back him the first fruits of our increase, the scripture says if we do that, then he would make sure that our storehouses would always be filled beyond our need. Pastor, we're broke. We're always broke. We can't afford to pay our tithes. Well, it's hard to pay tithes and it's really hard to get ahead when you're under a curse. It's quiet in here. It is difficult, it's difficult to ever get ahead in this life when you're stealing from the one who gave you the life. John Wesley talked about giving, he said, this is not the way to diminish thy estate, but rather to increase it. I'm going to wrap this up. I want to tell you a story about a... Sadie Seeker was a a house parent for missionary children in the Philippines. She loved to read. She had lots of books. Uh, Some of her books she loaned out, but there were some that were her favorites, and those favorites, she hid them away because she didn't want anybody to mess them up or not bring them back. And she had a footlocker under her bed, and she put those special books in that footlocker and one night, she heard a, just a faint gnawing sound. And she searched the whole room trying to figure out where this was coming from. And finally, she realized it was coming from the footlocker. And she opened it up and found that all of her books had become an enormous pile of dust because termites had gotten to them in the box. Everything that she had tried so hard to guard, she had lost. And she learned a lesson. What we give away, we keep. What we hoard, we lose. You ever ever I'm not trying to get on anybody here, but you ever watch the show Hoarders? If you're a hoarder, don't raise your hand. I don't want to know who I'm talking to. If you ever watch the show hoarders, and realize what the sad part about that is, is that when they actually go in to clean that up, all of the things that they had hoarded that they thought was so special and so amazing usually end up going in a dumpster because it is ruined mold bugs, mice get into things why does that happen? I think you could go back to you could go back to the manna almost where God said don't gather up more than what you can eat because it's just going to go rotten on you just trust me every day that there will be fresh manna out there like it always has been and we struggle with that I still struggle with that one I struggle with that sometimes you know because we all we all want to leave things to our children and <clears throat> we want to leave a legacy you know we, we want to have we want to it's not so much that we want to be a hoarder but that we want to we want to be secure you know we want to have retirement we want to know that someday we're going to be okay and the scripture tells us that we are but it's still difficult it'd be difficult it's like I don't know if the Lord's ever had you do this if he's ever had you give everything you had away at one time you do that and you think oh my lands what are we going to do now and the cool thing about the Lord is the very next day he can give it all back and more but he might not And that's where the trust comes in. That's where the honor comes in. That's where the difficulty comes in. Because we know we could could relinquish everything we have and give it back to Him and to the poor. And we know that God could bless us and we could have more than we ever had before. But we also know God's really maybe not about us being wealthy. God's about us living in faith. God's about us trusting Him. God says, I will supply your every need. According to my riches, that this only works. This if and then only works if we honor God. And honoring God requires the acknowledgement that all is his and the perpetual giving of the increase to him from that point on. L. Kraft was the head of Kraft Cheese gave approximately 25% of his enormous income to Christian causes for many years. And listen to this quote. He said, I want you to hear this. The only investment I ever made, which has paid consistently, increasingly dividends, is the money I have given to the Lord. J.D. Rockefeller. He said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. Because you hear that a lot. When I make more, we'll give more. God says, you're not going to make more. I'm testing you now. If you can't tithe on this, you won't tithe on that. If you can't, be generous on this, you won't be generous on that. If you're going to withhold on this, you're going to withhold on that. It's all relative. You're either generous or you're not. You're either a giver or you're not. And the amount or the lack of doesn't make a bit of difference. In fact, if you would study it, it's amazing. If you would study this, people who give the most to charitable causes are the people who have the least amount. Study it. It's not the wealthiest that give the most percentage per capita. People who make the less give the most per capita. So it's this if and then, according to our text. If, the scripture said, if we trust, right? If we respect, if we honor, then he says, my blessing will be, I will guide you. I will protect you. I will provide for you. And if we don't, then we're basically, we're making a choice to go it alone. That's why I said then is for me. I want then. Which would you rather have? All of the wealth the health and the intellect of this world or the promise of God because all of everything of this world is going to burn but the promise of God the promise says if you then I and then is always way bigger than if and then Produces a life of abundance here and there. If and then. But remember then, 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 then God will guide me. Then God will protect me. Then God will provide for me. I choose the then. Lord I'm thankful for your word I am grateful that you give us the understanding on the word that you reveal to us you make it known to us because you want us to be blessed happy successful per your standards of those things what you want for us God you know that the very best live we could very best life we could live would be the one where that we completely trusted respected and honored you help us today as we walk through this word individually one point at a time help us today God point out to us any place where that we need do a better job with the if so that we can enjoy the then during this last song we're going to open up our time for prayer come around the altars around the seats wherever that you would like to this message all starts with if we confess our sins then he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's the starting place examine your heart in light of that have I done that Have have I confessed my sins am I living the life of a child of God if not start there and then I want you just to walk through these points am I trusting him am I respecting him am I honoring him and if you're bogged down somewhere in that self-evaluation, just let the Holy Ghost take over for a few minutes in your spirit. Just let the Holy Ghost take over and let Him guide you and lead you and speak peace to you so that you be able to live. leave this place living a life of complete obedience to God. Amen. Y'all come and pray. Lead us.